Was it ever nice to hear that intro music again? Yes, after a couple months on the sidelines, Footy Talks with Mitchell Tierney is back. With soccer slowly returning, we'll bring you more conversations with Canadian soccer players and personalities outlining the latest and biggest stories surrounding the game in this country. A bit later on today's return show, James Grossi of MLSsoccer.com will join me to discuss the return of the sport in North America, as well as the continued dominance of Alfonso Davies in Germany. But first, Kunle Dataluk of Atletico Ottawa checks in to talk about his goals for the upcoming season, some pivotal moments in his young career, and joining a new club with an exciting vision. Now joining the show from Atletico Ottawa, Kunle Dataluk, thank you so much for taking the time. That's my pleasure. Thank you for having me out here. Yeah, um, have you been keeping yourself busy? I mean, it's it's great now that you know we have a bit of soccer back. Watching the Bundesliga this morning. Um, have you? Did you uh, get into get into any of those games? Yeah, I watched the Dortmund game. I really liked what I saw from it. I'm just excited to watch football again. It's been so long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I caught a bit of the Korean league as well, but you know, considering the the times of those games, uh, even in these weird times, I don't think I'm going to be uh, waking up too early to. Uh, um, to get into that, but um, yeah, with 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 new beginnings, I wanted to to start a little bit about your beginnings, um, your early career with uh, West Toronto SC, and uh, how you ended up with the Toronto FC organization as well. Um, just uh, just give me a little bit about how you you started out in the game. Uh, I started playing when I was three years old in West Toronto House League League, and from the first time I stepped on the pitch, I really just love playing the sport. I love the atmosphere, scoring goals, playing with my friends. And then from there, I believe when I turned 14, I went to open trial with TFC. And they liked what, I, what they saw from me, and they brought me in. And I've been a part of that organization for about six, seven years now. Mm. It's pretty good. A good experience for me to help develop as a young footballer. Yeah, it's great. And I think the, the first time uh, you kind of came on my radar was uh, when you were playing at the Via Reggio Cup, um, one of the you know, very most prestigious uh, youth tournaments. And, you know, that was that was a big moment for the club, especially, you know, as, as a kind of, you know, a newer academy, I mean, in world football, um, you guys were able to to have big performances against some of the top clubs in the world. You even scored, I believe, against Juventus. What was that experience like? And, you know, getting to play with with some of the best players in the world at your age. Well, that was just an amazing experience for me. I just remember warming up and had hearing my name get called to go in. Like, mm-hmm. I was nervous at first, but as the game went went on I, like I found my composure I'd be about five to ten minutes it was a free kick the coach told me cool just make the run to the front post and the ball's gonna come to you I said okay I made the run and the ball just literally came to my feet and I just shot a low shot bottom corner and then the whole crowd was screaming cheering my name and I, I was just an amazing experience for me I love that atmosphere like it was something special I won't forget yeah, you mentioned the coaching. Um, what does that mean now that, you know, we, we, you have these organizations in, in Canadian soccer with, you know, more experienced coaches, coaches from all over the world now, like Toronto FC and, you know, the other MLS clubs and now Canadian Premier League as well. It, it seems like the level of, of training you guys are getting is increasing every year. I believe that I think soccer in Canada is growing as a nation. I believe that more European teams 
people start looking at this league as a way to find talent hidden, you know? Mm-hmm. Look at Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David coming up from Canada. You never would have thought that things like this could happen, but it just proves that hard work to just get your name out there. Yeah, you mentioned Jonathan David. You had the opportunity to play with him um, with the, the U17 team, um, which we'll talk about in a bit. But um, what was that like, you know, seeing seeing a guy that was your teammate and, you know, kind of a kind of a similar start to you, you know, now going on and, and having a big opportunity over in Europe? That's That's got to be inspiring and, you know, um, kind of knowing that, that that pathway is now available to you guys. Yeah, I'm happy for Jonathan David for what he's done for his career in Europe. He's done so well. I just I wish him all the best. Like going back to the 17 Canada camp, you could tell that he was a special talent from early on. And look at what he's doing now. It's, he's just a special talent. I just wish him all the best in his future career. Yeah, and um, mentioning that tournament, you know, you, you got some an opportunity to to represent your country. Um, what was that like? You know, playing uh, with actually a, it turned out to be a pretty talented team. A lot of those guys, including yourself, have gone on to have uh, pretty solid careers. I thought I'm needed to play with such talent at a young age. Like we we knew we were a good team. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for us in the qualifiers, but the talent was there. And look at and then seeing all the players move forward, it looked like a really good step. Perfect. Yeah, and. Uh, Picking up now as as we move towards um, your your current career, um, after a short time in Europe, you've decided to join Athletico Ottawa. What what went into that, and you know the decision to come back home and and join this this new club? Uh, seeing such a big club like Atletico Madrid come in and look at Atletico Ottawa as like a little gateway for them, like it really just helped me make my decision to come back. And I feel like the CPL as itself is a growing league. And I like what I saw from the league, a lot of potential coming from that. And I felt like I let the co-out was a great fit for me, personally. I like the coaching staff and the players that are around there. And I think it can help me grow as a player as my future in this game continues. Yeah, it's kind of a, a bit of a unique opportunity for you because, you know, this it, it probably will be one of the only times in your career you get to come into a club that's completely new. I mean, brand new players, brand new everything from top to bottom so you know it's it's not like you're competing with guys who have been there for several years you know everybody's almost on an even playing field in terms of the opportunity so for for a young player like you that must be a a welcome chance to you know really prove yourself and and make yourself a a name with the club from day one yeah I feel like it's gonna be a good opportunity for me so as a brand new club I get to meet new people new teammates I feel like we're just gonna push each other even more to help this club grow and hopefully win the CPO championship this year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, for, for guys like you who came up through the MLS Academy, how big of an opportunity is this to, to have the Canadian Premier League as well? Because, um, you know, so many talented players have come through TFC, but there's only so many spots with, with the first roster. And, you know, while you guys might get there eventually, this opportunity to to be able to play professionally as well in, in your home country where, you know, you guys are kind of prioritized as, as key players. Um, how important is that? I feel like it's really good. Like, I feel like the CPO is a, a growing league, but there's a lot of potential to come out of it. You can look at players like Tristan Borges and Emilio who got noticed from CPO. So it's mm-hmm. not just a league that's just here. I feel like it's a league on the rise. And as years go on, you're going to see it pick up more and more. And who knows, someday be on par with the MLS. Yeah, and even um, you, you know some of the rules that are in place. Uh, I mean, there's there's a rule that uh, I think it's fifteen hundred minutes for for under twenty one players that benefits guys like you. 
Um, what do you think of that? The league kind of structuring itself um, again, not only to benefit Canadians, but young Canadians like Emilio, like Tristan. Um, so that it's, it's almost a showcase. So you guys can um, get the opportunity to get minutes, get viewed. And then, you know, you know, if it goes well, you can, you can move on um, to, to big opportunities. I feel like the under 21 minutes show is very good. I feel like it gives young, young kids a chance to showcase themselves and play with older, older guys. And just stay on par with them and show like what we have to offer. Yeah, absolutely. And um, kind of switching gears a little bit, you know, this is a very unique time for all of us. What's it been like for you personally, kind of preparing for a season that, you know, you aren't 100% sure when it's going to start, when soccer is going to start up again for you guys, and even what it will look like when that happens. Um, you know, I, I mean, at most times in your career, you at least know like when the season's going to start, that sort of thing. You have a bit of schedule. What's, what's that been like for you personally? Uh, for me personally, to be honest, nothing has really changed for me getting ready for the season. I still plan, plan accordingly and I'm just ready for the car. I'm staying in shape and I'm fit. And when the season starts, I'm going to be flying right out the door. That's awesome. What's, uh, looking at this upcoming season, uh, what are some goals for you as, as you, you know, start your career with Atletico Ottawa? Uh, my goal is probably to win the best young player award in the league and bring a championship to Ottawa. Wow, that's great. Yeah, some some big goals from yourself. Um, and I'm really excited to uh, to see what you're able to do out on the pitch once once we all get started again. Kunle, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Soccer slowly but surely making its return. You know I had to have a show favorite back on. James Grassi of MLSsoccer.com. How are things now that, you know, we have at least a little bit of soccer back to on our TVs again? Oh, Mitchell, it's nice to hear your voice as always. I hope you and uh, yours are keeping well in these strange times. And, uh, yeah, you know, some uh, starting to see a little bit of soccer coming back. I think we all enjoyed uh, tuning into the K-League and catching little bits of Belarusian football here and there and, and digging through the archives a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's nice to see some some top flight, flight professional games on our TV screens again, even if uh, it might be a while before we can see them live. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think with no offense to the K-League or, or the Belarusian League, you know, the, the Bundesliga is a league I would have watched anyway, right? So it, it, it felt a little bit natural. Of course, there's a lot of a lot of things about it that that feel unnatural, you know. Especially watching at uh, watching the the Dortmund game, you know, that's that's one of those stadiums that, without fans, it was just super bizarre to see. And you know, the they've got the substitutes of the bench wearing masks, but then they're allowed to you know run around real close to each other <laughs> when they're warming up. Like this, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that they're still working out, and it's still very weird. But um, I, you know, for me, mostly it was it was just nice to to see it back. Yeah, it was in part. It was just the ritual of, uh, you know, my Saturday mornings are generally taken up with you know crawling out of bed and, and grabbing a cup of coffee and sort of slowly waking up while the soccer around the world sort of plays out in front of my eyes. And so, mm. just that that little feeling of normal was uh, was refreshing. It was nice. It was definitely, I think, something that we all knew that we missed. But uh, until you get right back into it and start experiencing it again, you maybe didn't realize quite how much. Uh, you missed the uh, the Saturday morning rituals. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's one one team and one player who most Canadians will be watching more than any, and perhaps 
more than usual, you know, with all the games being on Sportsnet right now, considering um, they don't have their usual programming. And, you know, I, I think there's a bigger chance that Canadians will just randomly stumble across the legend that seems to be growing of Alfonso Davies. I mean, he's he's had a nice run on TikTok while he was off. He, he seems to be a uniquely mark, marketable player, um, which, you know, is, is incredibly exciting. And now some rumors that Real Madrid are sniffing around him. So uh, it's a, it seems to be a good time to be Alfonso Davies. And, you know, for Canadian soccer, um, an opportunity to continue to grow this star, I think. Yeah, since he moved over there, he's really, he's really made a name for himself. I sort of... You know, we've all been watching them forever, and so we had a pretty keen eye on seeing how his first steps in Europe uh, went. But uh, I think it was a Champions League performance um, either earlier this year or at the end of last year where he really sort of caught caught fire and, and caught a lot of attention. I'll never quite understand the uh, the difficulty that, that some people have between Davies and Davis. It's one of those peculiarities. <laughs> yeah, those English that, commentaries. <laughs> I don't know. There's an eye there. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, or there's an E there, I suppose. Uh, I, I do not understand the, the trouble. But, you know, to come from a relative backwater of, of world football in Canada and sort of become the best left back in the world, and I'm doing those little air quotes <laughs> about left back because I know that's a conversation that we're going to be having for for uh, all time from now on, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> it's been quite a journey for the young man, you know. Um, we sort of... He sort of first came on our on our stage when he was he was making his his first steps with uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps there. And then it was a name that you sort of heard a little bit with uh, with Whitecaps too with their USL team. But you know, I'll uh, I'll always remember the first time he uh, we interviewed him. We were in Montreal actually, and it was a Curacao national team game. I think it was his uh, I think it was his senior men's debut. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could tell he was a 16-year-old kid. I don't think he'd ever been in a scrum quite that big. And it, it wasn't the world's biggest scrum. You know, Curacao doesn't exactly draw in the, uh, the media numbers like some of the bigger teams that we've had uh, come to Canada in recent years. And um, he, was, he was a kid. And now to see him sort of taking these steps and, and becoming more of a man and, and growing into, into the role that's going to come with, with being, you know, a... Uh, one of the more recognizable faces in the Canadian sporting landscape is, uh, is, uh, it's always fun seeing something like that come around. And, and yeah, as you said, with, with all the other sports on hiatus and, you know, people craving something to watch, it's uh, it's a pretty big platform for him to sort of further that, that integration of himself and, and make sure his is a name and his, uh, his story is a story that everyone here is familiar with. So James, in your opinion, is Alfonso Davies a left back? No, I'm just kidding. We're not. Well, we're in, not, in the modern, <laughs> we're not going to have uh, that discussion today. Yeah, and, we'll uh, save that for another day. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we don't have to have that discussion ever again. But if Real Madrid buys you as a left back, do you automatically become a left back? I, I guess so. That's that's not a bad point. But at any rate, we'll we'll skip past that a little bit, and uh, you know, to Alfonso Davies' other team, the Canadian men's national team, um, getting some. I don't know if it's good news yet. We haven't seen the format, but at least, um, you know, considering how things were going towards, you know, once, once soccer shut down the, the little chance they would have had of getting in the hex. Um, it's, it seems like any restructuring of world cup qualifying at this point from CONCACAF must be seen as a positive. We don't know too much, but it does seem like the format, 
um, will potentially, you know, condense and add for a little more upsets, which obviously would be, would be good for Canada. You know, there, there's so much murky here. We don't even know if the 2022 World Cup's going to happen. Um, I guess with any of the conversations that follow, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of moving pieces right now. But, um, you know, what was your reaction to, to the fact that this, this is changing and that uh, we, we knew it would have to change, but that, you know, might give Canada a better opportunity here? Yeah, as you say, a lot of it depends on, on what the actual details are when, when things sort of emerge and we get a better idea of it. You know, going back to, to what the path was looking like before, I kind of like the idea of Canada having to run that gauntlet of a million <laughs> games over the next 18 months and sort of getting together as a group regularly and, and having a clear objective sort of right in front of you. And if you pass this hurdle, then you move on to the next one. And I thought that would have done a, a lot of good for both this sort of group, but also the program as a whole in the sense that, you know, I'm sure John Herdman would have had to look to to other players, not just running out the same 18 guys every match in order to to fit that into to to in order to meet the demands that that sort of a that sort of a pathway would require of you. I, I think that there would have been something beneficial to, you know, for forever the problem with the Canadian national team or one of the problems for the men's national team has been that they're on your radar for about six months and then they disappear for three years. And so having a sort of steady incremental build that that pathway would have been, I thought would have been a, a really interesting sort of potential in, in terms of leading up to 2022 potentially, and, and especially 2026 here, uh, here in North America. And so I, you know, as, as somebody who enjoys when, uh, when the game takes you to strange places, I thought that was going to be a pretty fascinating little journey. I think the worry with that was, let's say you do reach it in the end are you going to be to have been tested enough are you going to have to have mm-hmm. flexed the muscles that you need to in order to compete and and one of the one of the benefits of the hex while there's no guarantee that you'll actually emerge out of it is that you will get those top flight matches against CONCACAF opponents you'll be playing Mexico you'll be playing uh, the US you'll be playing Costa Rica you'll be playing Honduras you'll be playing all the all the big hitters in this region and so if there is some way where either the hex is expanded into into a larger thing and more of the teams are brought in based on their cap ratings or if it's a larger tournament, you know, basically Canada, Canada was sort of sold short by the late change in this qualification process where they thought it was going to be based on CONCACAF points and then that rug sort of got pulled out of them and there was this mad dash to collect as many points and get up into the top <laughs> six as possible. Yeah. And so this is a bit of a, it's a bit of a do-over if things emerge that there is another pathway. But, you know, until we know more details, until we sort of have a better idea, you know, I, I, still, I still don't know quite how this is going to work. You know, we're talking about getting leagues started up and getting clubs training together and, you know, the national team is just such a different prospect in terms of yeah. if the players are isolated with their club and, and their club or their league has got things figured out for that, bringing in players from 10 different leagues, 15 different leagues is just such a logistical nightmare, mm-hmm. let alone the international travel aspect of it. Yeah. And so, you know, my mind, because all that we're sort of talking about these days is how teams are going to, how leagues are going to, get some form of competition together by bringing all the people together to one site and sort of rigorously monitoring that situation to be as safe as possible. Like I wonder if, if after we have the MLS regular season tournament and the CPL regular season tournament and a, mm. 
I don't know, a weekend in Burnaby to do the Canadian Championship, if there's some way that, that CONCACAF can build off of that and presume that everybody who's been with their clubs has been tested and has been safe and there's some way to transport those players to another random site, let's just say Arizona, because that seems to be what everyone's talking about these days, mm. and, and hold the tournament there for a couple of weeks. Like, I, I think in times like this, you have to be flexible, and I think it was wise of, of CONCACAF to accept that they can't, they can't hold themselves to the, to the schedule that they had laid out before, and, and there was going to need to be some flexibility. And so, you know, as we monitor this and we sort of get an idea of exactly what it is that, that's going to emerge, you know, it's a, it's a brave new world that we're living in, and it only makes sense that uh, with everything changing, CONCACAF sort of has to adjust as well. Weekend at Burnaby is one of my favorite movies, by the way. So <laughs> good shout out there. Um, but yeah, you mentioned uh, some of the the proposed return to play um, scenarios that looks like, you know, the North American leagues are, are undergoing. Um, MLS, we're, we're starting to get some ideas of their plans as reported by the Athletic Soccer and some other outlets. Um, they, they're going the tournament format that seems to be very popu- popularized among the top leagues. Um, looking like Orlando, Florida is the site at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Athletic Complex. Uh, some kind of group stage format that would lead to knockouts um, and, you know, um, you know, at least in some capacity, help fill part of the regular season. The hope is eventually before this season ends uh, to return teams to their home stadium. But, you know, certainly we're, we're a far ways off for that. Um, this one, for a multitude of reasons, seems incredibly tricky. I think it's partially because the regular season games, um, you know, you as you mentioned, you've had, you have the international travel as well. Um, especially with the way things are going both north and south of the border with this virus, you know, um, this one to me seems a little bit like a pipe dream. We'll see, we'll see what happens, but there's, there's the tricky labor negotiations as well. This, there's so many layers to this, isn't there James? Yeah. The, um, you know, we were all sort of ready to monitor, uh, the CBA negotiations and see if those were going to be a hiccup at the start of the year. And, uh, you know, once, once the deal was agreed to in principle, it, it sort of went off the radar and we all sort of forgot that it hadn't quite been ratified yet. And that just adds mm-hmm. such another complexity to this in terms of, of it's not only a, a health decision, which I think is the priority for everyone, but it's a financial decision and it's a career decision and it's, it's, it's a very complicated thing. And, you know, I think it's the right idea in terms of you can wait and you can wait and you can wait for things to be perfect. And, and we don't know when things are going to be perfect and we can go back to just, just the way that we've always done things. And so the idea of let's find some way to make this happen, let's let's get something going and, and be agile and be ready in case things were to change, that, that strikes me as in principle a, a good idea. I think one of the complicating factors for MLS is the whole international aspect of it. I'm not sure how teams would be able to cross borders. Like, would Toronto even be allowed to enter the U.S. right now? Would, would yeah. Vancouver, would Montreal? And like, you know, there's been some talk with the Blue Jays that they would basically relocate down somewhere else if they were to be able to play their season. And so I think it's great that the wheels are turning and that there are plans in motion and, and everything is being, you know, every rock's being turned over and, every possibility is being investigated but i just don't i just don't quite know exactly what the best way to do this you know we saw this week that you know a lot of the supplemental 
um, competitions have sort of been been abandoned because mm-hmm. because if you don't have the regular season, there's no real point in doing the Campiones Cup. There's no yeah. there's no point in uh, in an All Star game if you know how do you pick who the All Stars are? You know, it's clearly based on form, and if you're not yeah. playing games, then now how are we going to know who the eight best forwards are to fit in that eleven? So, um. It's it's one of those things that we're we're sort of going to have to play it by ear. The the timelines that have been reported in terms of teams potentially reporting down to Florida by the end of this month and starting training mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks that seems a little bit a little bit like it was a proposal that's sort of very much in the works. Um, but I think it's just it's something to watch. You know, we'd all love to to be watching watching the teams play and and to be writing mm-hmm. our stories about actual games instead of digging yeah. into the archive too much more, but. <laughs> We're very much going to take it, uh, take it one step at a time. You know, there is. Um, it sounds super simple, not super simple, but it sounds relatively, relatively like you have thirty players a team. You got a couple of coaches. You fly everyone down, cook up some burgers on the barbecue, like whatever it is. It it seems manageable, but then when you start getting into the real logistics of it, like I think I saw a report that for the NBA to get teams together to play out some sort of an end to the regular season and and a little bit of a playoff thing would would take like 10,000 people. And that's because, you know, you need hotel staff, you need cooks, you need the right. officials, you need drivers, you need – and everyone has to be tested and closely monitored. And so it's a it's a gargantuan task. It's not just wrangling up your buddies to, to get an 11-a-side team together, <laughs> which is, is difficult enough. But this is, this is big, big stuff. So it's better to take it – it's better – I think the right thing is what they're doing in terms of you You have a proposal, you solicit feedback from all the teams, you find out what works, what doesn't work, and you sort of go from there and build off of that and, and see what's possible. And, you know, we're all sort of hoping that, that something is possible, but uh, we're going to have to take things sort of one day at a, one day at a time, a couple hours at a time, and, and see, what, uh, see what lies ahead of us. Yeah, unfortunately, the the way of the world right now. Um, teams are, of course, or players at least are, of course, returning to voluntary individual training. Um, you know, a ton of restrictions on that, and, and uh, you know, isolating as as they have to. And as you mentioned, the Campionas Cup, uh, the MLS All Star Game, and the League's Cup, which uh, the fact that it got canceled reminded me it existed. Uh, <laughs> all uh, all scrapped for this season, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, the other league that um, is is trying to work its way back right now is the Canadian Premier League Commissioner David Clanigan saying he likes the idea of a single format uh, return to play in somewhere you know like Moncton, uh, Halifax, I believe, Winnipeg, and um, as you mentioned, Burnaby, um, or at least out <laughs> west, Victoria Island area um, are, are the um, are, are the proposed return sites. This one. I think makes a little more sense just because smaller leagues, um, less teams, and you don't have that international travel as well. And there are certainly some regions within Canada that um, are, you know, doing very well with the virus. Now, obviously you don't want to bring the virus into those areas, but um, I think it's a little more possible, but again, there's going to be a lot of logistics that they'd have to figure out there as well. Yeah. It it comes down to all the same sort of things. Like as, as you said, a smaller, smaller, population base i guess would be the best way to put it in terms of you know it's you're looking at eight teams you're looking at you know however many players that is for team whatever staff they would need you could run it pretty bare bones but again you run into all those sort of inflationary logistics of of you need you need staff you need cooks you need referees you need 
you need all that sort of stuff. And, and with an 18 league, you can also sort of play out something meaningful in terms of a competition in a smoother way than you can with a, a 28 or 30 team league That's or whatever it is. So, so I think that that might be a little bit simpler. The lack of international travel is, is also pretty helpful as well. But again, like you're running into all those sort of, um, all those sort of complications that, that we have from the same situation. And, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're starting to hear rumblings of, of players hopefully returning to individual training sessions under all the sort of strict guidelines we've been seeing everyone go through. Um, and Canada, but Canada, it's a big country and there's going to be hotspots for, for lack of a better term in, in this situation. And so you're, you're going to be able to find, or hopefully you'll be able to find somewhere where it's safe and everything can be done properly and, and we can get some football. I, I do think it is important for the Canadian Soccer League to, for the Canadian Premier League, mm-hmm. to, um, to do something this year, to, to find some way of, of staying on the radar. You know, the first season, I think, went, went better than anyone would have possibly imagined, both in terms of, you know, the reception off the field, but also in the quality on the field. And, mm-hmm. and whenever, you make, whenever you make some, some progress like that, you'd hate for it to be, to be um, let, to, let to shrivel because of something as unfortunate as this. Of course, there are things that are way more important than, than uh, soccer games for us to watch. But, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, you know, keeping that, keeping that squarely in mind, it would, be, it would be really good for as this country builds up towards 2022, hopefully in 2026, that, that the domestic league is sort of continuing to take little steps forward as, mm-hmm. as circumstance allows. Yeah, and of course, you know, the financials as well. Obviously, MLS, a lot more money involved in, in that. Um, although the Canadian Premier League, at least ownership-wise, they do have some some decent teams and probably wouldn't cost certainly all that much to uh, to host a mini tournament like this. I mean, there would certainly be cost, but comparatively um, would be a lot less. So um, we'll certainly see how all of this plays out. It'll be very interesting to watch, but I at least wanted to, to keep everyone updated with you know, what's, what's going on in, in Canadian soccer um, as we, you know, slowly try and move back towards some sense of, of normalcy right now. Um, uh, but I think we'll, we'll wrap up the episode there. James, thanks so much for joining the show. Oh, anytime, anytime is uh, good to hear your voice. Good to see your face on our little, uh, our little chat here. And I uh, <laughs> hope you and yours are, are staying safe and, and finding ways to keep yourselves occupied and uh, enjoying the Bundesliga until we get some more stuff to watch. Yeah, likewise. And uh, thank you everyone for listening next week on the show. Uh, Northern Pitch will be making a mini return for a reunion episode. Uh, make sure to stay up to date with all things Footy Talks as well on the social media pages. They have a bunch of exciting live shows coming up as well as our usual exciting stuff. Um, so have a good week, everyone. <laughs>